In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters, in Christ, grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus. Amen. The parable of the Good Samaritan is a great story. It is impossible not to be moved by what it relates. It's a tale of compassion and mercy, of over and above service and help, all coming from the least likely of characters, a social outcast. It's a dramatic story that is popular precisely because of its unexpected turns, and it puts to shame what everybody hates, hypocrisy, self-importance, and the pretense of holiness, all while exalting such rare and godly virtues as humility, self-sacrifice, and true kindness. If more people were to take this lesson to heart, the world would be a better place. It sure would. But Jesus didn't tell this story simply to make the world a better place. In order to give us a moral lesson, Although it is thanks to such great parables as this that even unbelievers praise Jesus as a wise and ethical teacher, as though we should be flattered for worshiping him. Even those who despise the church and what she teaches about sin and grace, creation, redemption, and the life of repentance and faith, give fawning tribute to the church's Lord for his moral instruction. But Jesus did not tell this or any of his parables in order to receive honor and accolades from the morally aware. No, it's the opposite. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 13 that the reason he told parables was in order to fulfill these words from the prophet Isaiah, spoken by God to him when he was first called to be a prophet. Go and tell this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Jesus told his parable in order to hide from the wise and understanding that which he would reveal to little children, to infants. This is what pleases the Father. This is what Jesus thanked him for when he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. It's interesting that we have here in our text the entire Godhead of the Holy Trinity represented. The Son thanks his Father while rejoicing in the Holy Spirit. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one God. They are one in essence, one in will, one in majesty and power, co-equal. And they share one gracious objective toward you. That is, God's goal for us and all mankind is to save sinners from the clutches of sin and from the depths of hell. This is God's goodwill to make known our salvation. The Father sends his Son to assume human flesh and to bear the sin of all sinners and make atonement for all men. The Son gives his lifeblood to fulfill what his own justice required to satisfy the wrath of his Father that his own heart and soul and mind and strength entirely agreed with all in order to love his neighbor as himself. The Holy Spirit leads us to know and believe it and to rely on this. It is the gospel. The gospel is the best news that you can possibly hear or learn because it reveals God's love toward you. 
This is what God wants. It's God's gracious will that you be saved. And yet, it seems so strange. It is precisely this, his gracious will, the gospel, that God conceals from the wise. Now this takes a little bit of explanation. Does God conceal or does God reveal? Does God make salvation known or does he hide it from some while showing it to others? Well, consider this. It is not as though God hides the gospel from the wise by presenting to them one thing and then makes it known to babes by presenting to them another thing. No. God sets forth one and the same message to all, both wise and foolish, both virtuous and iniquitous. Go into all the world, Jesus said, and preach the gospel to all creatures. The reason it is hidden from the wise is not because God doesn't want them to know it, or because God fails to show it. Far from it. It's because the wise refuse to see it even when it is placed right before their eyes. What causes Jesus to rejoice is not that they are not saved. What causes him to rejoice is that the access to God's great mysteries of salvation are restricted and confined only to those who are looking for a merciful Savior. Just consider the lawyer who approached Jesus face to face with the Son of God. Oh, he was wise. The access that he boasted in was his wisdom and understanding. And he knew the law as well as anyone here knows anything. Not only did he know the scriptures and what Moses said about morality and how to behave, but he would have also known all the pharisaical rules that helped one do what Moses told them to do. He came to Jesus. He called him teacher, but he didn't come to be taught. He came to test Jesus, not to learn from him. The law teaches us how to love our neighbor, but this lawyer was not interested in his neighbor. He was interested in justifying himself. He was wise, but in his wisdom, he missed out on what Jesus had to say. Jesus told the great story of the Good Samaritan. It's a story not only of the love that the law requires of us, but most importantly, it is a story of the love that God shows to us. It is one story. It both hides and reveals. By hearing it from two different perspectives, one can and ought to learn from it two different messages. It teaches the law that exposes our sin, and it teaches the gospel that forgives us our sin. It teaches both these lessons, but all the lawyer got from it was more law, because that's what he wanted. And so the message that Jesus wanted him to know, the gospel, was completely hidden from his eyes. And yet, look, Jesus still preached it. And that's the point. He doesn't preach based on how he's getting through. He preaches what his father gave him to preach, what is true. And that's the point. He preaches it for you. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Therefore, your eyes are blessed, because I have prepared you to love what I am teaching you. And what did they love? What did they see that Abraham did not see? What more law? Is that what Abraham missed out on? Is that what he longed to see? 
Was this the day he saw by faith and rejoiced in, as Jesus says elsewhere? Clearer moral instruction? Or Moses, is that what his longing eyes desired to behold? Moses, who brought Israel as far as the promised land, but was not permitted to enter. Is this what he missed out on seeing? A more dazzling display of righteousness than what Sinai offered? Or David, who received instructions for how to build the temple, but never saw it built? Or Solomon, who built the temple only to see it, see in it a dim representation of of what? Clearer ethical insight? What? Better proverbs? Is that what these prophets and kings missed out on? Is this what the disciples got to see that their fathers only desired to see but didn't? The thought is preposterous. What made the eyes of the disciples blessed was not that they heard a good moral story that illustrated really well what their duties were toward their neighbor. The lawyer heard that. God did not need to come down from heaven to tell stories. He came down from heaven to save sinners. What further blessing could any prophet or king have reaped from this than what they had ever known? The reason unbelievers praise Jesus as a moral teacher isn't because he taught them anything. It's because what he says agrees with what they already know and what they already trust in to make them wise unto their own salvation. But the law was always sufficient to prepare for repentance. The law cannot bring anyone all the way. The law works wrath. And this lawyer was full of it. And this is why Jesus asked what he did. What is the law? What is your reading of it? Quit trying to make peace with God by justifying yourself. How in the world, lawyer, if you are seeking to be justified by your own works, how in the world is the law not clear enough? Don't test me, lawyer. Answer me. What does the law say? But if the law is clear enough, if it has already exposed you as a sinner, then there is a message in Jesus' parable that Moses did long to hear that Abraham did rejoice to see when believing that it would someday be seen, that David did delight in pondering when he sought the Lord's face and delighted in the beautiful design of the temple. The disciples' eyes were blessed because they saw Jesus who came to fulfill the law. They saw with the eyes of faith that Jesus was the main character in the story he told, as prophets and kings had already long known. They saw in the parable of the Good Samaritan not only the love the law required, but also the love that God fulfilled in Christ. This latter point, which is far more precious to us, was hidden from the wise and prudent who seek to be justified by their own works. Now, of course, don't get this wrong. Jesus preached the law. The law is good. But the lawyer asked a law question and he got a law answer. What the Good Samaritan did is what is required of each one of us to do, and Jesus illustrated it very well. But while you picture yourself striving to be what this Good Samaritan was, while you see yourself failing and not loving, comparing yourself to him in order to make yourself feel better, as though this is the peace of a conscience free from blame, as As much as you see yourself not having compassion, but judging and turning away from your brothers and sisters and from strangers in need, when you see yourself to have 
utterly failed to be what Jesus tells you to be, then choose a different character in this story. See yourself instead as the man beaten and robbed of all goodness and strength and wisdom and virtue. See what Satan, the robber, has done to you and identify yourself as the one in need of mercy who has left Jerusalem, the city of God, where he was born and baptized and claimed an heir of heaven and gone down to Jericho, the city that should never have been built, where you have sought out worldly pleasures that have lied to you. And you found yourself robbed of the peace that God gave you. See yourself half dead by the side of the road, only half dead because of what is worse, half alive. Because while you have by nature no spiritual life at all, yet your flesh pescally lives on and desires to live in sin. But it must die. See what the law does to help you. See the priest pass by, the Levite pass by. These characters represent the law in all its spick and span holiness, but they do nothing to help you out. Imagine what help they might have offered if they thought love consisted in offering good moral advice. You should not have left Jerusalem my dear man, you should not have sinned, my dear brother or sister in Christ. Oh, what heartless righteousness. What merciless holiness. But then see the one who has compassion and see righteousness and mercy. See holiness and kindness and humility. See the one who is despised and rejected Come to save you at his own expense. See what Abraham saw. See what Moses saw. What David and Isaiah saw with the eyes of faith. See your Savior do for you in mercy what you need him to do. Jesus teaches much about you in the parable of the Good Samaritan true. But do not fail to see what he also teaches you about himself. Do not be wise in your own eyes. But be a simple little child. The wise are those who think that because they know the law, they can therefore do what the law requires in order to earn God's blessing. And so the law serves as nothing but a guide to self-improvement. Of course, they're not really wise by God's standards. But they sure are wise according to the standards that make the world go round. And it's very compelling wisdom. And as you seek that peace, and self-satisfaction, and just, I suppose, what we call happiness. You want to improve yourself. You want to be better. You want to claw yourself out of Jericho and back to Jerusalem, and you seek a wisdom that we can instinctively relate to, because there's blessing in living a moral life, after all, and you know that's what you need. God says so, and our experience confirms it. The law offers what people crave. Principles of living well. Being the you that you want to be and you know you can be. Advice on raising respectable children and having a happy marriage and being a profitable steward of all your earthly substance. Biblical tips on living a life of service. This is the so-called practical wisdom that so many churches and religious communities market today. And you'll see this in the things that they publish, and you'll hear it in the things that they preach. It is a thriving market, and Jesus is the spokesman. And the guidance it lends is certainly not all bad. The law is good. 
but Christ is hidden. And that's the problem. What the prophets long to see is not there. Our Savior is hidden when he is turned into a friendly and compelling lawgiver instead of the one who calls sinners to himself for rest. God does not reveal his goodwill toward you by teaching you the law. He reveals what the law demands. Yes, but only the gospel does. But only in the gospel does God reveal what true love has done to fulfill the law in your place. The moralizing of the law is ineffective to bless, not because it's not true. Goodness, people need clearer moral instruction now more than ever. But the reason they don't do what is right is not because they lack the advice. It's because they don't love the law. They love the law the way the lawyer loved his neighbor, as a means to an end. Under what conditions do I have to care about him? Under what conditions can I bother? How can I ignore my neighbor and still be blessed? And so it is precisely self-righteousness that causes the law to be twisted and contorted in the same way it was self-righteousness that left the man in Jesus' parable twisted and beaten. People love the law so long as it helps them justify themselves, but they do not love the love which the law commands. But we do. We want to. We pray that God would give us an increase of faith and hope toward him and charity toward our neighbor. And that we may obtain what he promises. We ask that he might make us love what he commands. But how can you love what damns you? How can you love what deprives you of pleasure and requires you to deny yourself and serve others? And how can you love what gives no sympathy to you when you ruin your life on account of breaking the law? How can you love this? Because you agree with it. Let it show you your sin. And let it teach you to long for him who fulfills the law by loving you. You can love the commandments of God, and you must. Because it is by loving what shows how loveless you are that you are prepared to long for what Moses desired to see. And what did Moses desire? What did he long for? He longed to be replaced by a better voice. He longed for his voice to be replaced by the voice of Jesus, a prophet whom we would hear. A prophet in whose mouth better words are spoken. A prophet who could fulfill what Moses himself could not. A prophet who could enter the promised land and bring us with, and not simply send us on in with warnings while he dies on the mountain. No, Christ fulfills the law and rises again for us and brings us into the promised land. This is what Moses desired to see and couldn't see it, but he died believing that it would occur for him, for you, for the disciples, for all of us. Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. And blessed are you for hearing the gospel. Can there be a more practical message than this? For those who have been taught to love the commandments that show them their sin, who have been taught to love the mercy that Jesus shows in fulfilling the law, only we, babes and children, helpless, entirely reliant on Christ who loves us, only we know what mercy is toward us, 
And so only we are able to show mercy toward others because we know its source, we know its purpose. We know who it is supposed to benefit. Jesus came to benefit us at his own cost and at the cost of his own honor and at the risk of being praised by unbelievers as a moral teacher, another Moses. Jesus came to show mercy at his own expense and to make all preparations to continue to serve us until kingdom comes. We love his commandments precisely because they drive us to his promises. And by loving the mercy that he requires all of us to show, not only do we receive it, but we are unable to show it. We are unable to show it. Because Jesus who loves us has taught us to love it. In his name, amen. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto eternal life. Amen.